Hello and welcome to the Adoption Shared Podcast. My name is Eddie Elliott, your host for today, and it's great to be with you. Adoption Shared Podcast is produced by the We Are Family Adoption Support Community in partnership with Adopt London. We are here to share stories and information about all things adoption, and we'll be talking to a range of people, including adopters and professionals. Our hope is that you, our listener, will gain more and more understanding of the variety of adoption journeys and hopefully take away something useful for your own journey or involvement with adoption. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast by pressing the subscribe button. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at WAFAdoption by using the hashtag, hashtag AdoptionShared. Or join our We Are Family community for free by visiting www.wearefamilyadoption.org.uk Please note that the views expressed in this podcast are the views of our guest speakers and do not necessarily represent the views of We Are Family or Adopt London. We've had a wonderful time talking to adopters about their experiences of adoption. We took the opportunity while we were with them to ask them all the same five questions, illustrating how different their experiences have been. We want to share these valuable snippets at the end of the year with you now, and we hope you enjoy listening. Myself, We Are Family and Adopt London wish you all a very Merry Christmas. What might you do differently now as an adopter if you had to do it all over again? Good question. What might I do differently as an adopter? think be more present Mm -hmm. realize it goes quickly and everybody says that i want to kick them when they say that okay so quickly (laughs) but now that my eldest is eight it's like okay and as as you were saying earlier they start to shut down and you just realize i was taking it for granted that she wants to do things with me Mm -hmm. and that she would listen to me and would take my stuff on board and now I've wasted it. Oh. So I think I would do more work on myself to bring bring my presence and to be more playful and okay. to be more engaging with her. Less TV, because I really do use TV a lot. <laughs> I always said I wouldn't do what I like. Go watch some TV. Mm-hmm. No, yes, you really want to watch TV. <laughs> and then I think also I would get help earlier yep. for myself and maybe just start, you know, getting work in for myself in terms of well, what's blocking me. Mm-hmm. Let me go and get somebody who can give me insight on that and help me with that. Mm-hmm. Just seek more love. I think we need lots of love when, mm-hmm. we, when we're loving in, in war zones, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And they are war zones. These little ones are at war with themselves Mm -hmm. and their memories. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so we are working on the front line. So Mm -hmm. get love. Brilliant. I would ask for more help and not worry about feeling like I'm imposing on people. I think I would be more open to explaining the trauma that comes with adoption and therefore the behavior and the type of support needed rather than just struggling with it on my own and not wanting to explain it I think I haven't wanted to explain it I would spend some more time during that nesting period just after introductions and really close out the world so it was just the two of us cocooning a lot more together Mm -hmm. and really even though that is quite difficult and and as a single adopter I crave interactions with other people 
I think I just needed to think maybe that was just six weeks of my life and really to focus on deepening that attachment and that bond because it goes both ways. I think one of the things I would have done differently is I would have made sure I had more adopters around me from the beginning Mm -hmm. in my social network. I think that would have been really beneficial to me. I have now built one up and they are invaluable. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more relaxing as an adoptive parent to spend time with your children, with other people you don't have to explain anything to. To be honest, I wouldn't change anything because we've got the boys we've got and they're delightful and I love the bones of them. And that's all well and good. What I say to other parents and prospective adopters is please ensure that you only, if you're going to adopt more than one child, that there is a two year age gap at least between them. Because having two children who are 12 months and three weeks apart is not the one. Having two children arrive in your house that both need their nappies changing concurrently is not the one. I had such a bad experience of secondary school, mm-hmm. I would earn more money in the first place so that I could send my son to private school mm-hmm. because the state secondary schools are so under-resourced, they're not able to provide an equal opportunity and support our children. From what I'm aware, it's not particularly the school that my son goes to, that the schools are all the same. I worked in a secondary school, so I've seen it Mm -hmm. through my own eyes in the school, especially in London over the last 10 years where the budget's been cut and cut and cut and cut. We just don't have the staff Mm -hmm. to support the children. So it's just a containment. Mm -hmm. Do you worry about your children's futures? You know, are there any areas that concern you the most? That's interesting because I think it's about us as people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. My concern is that she, if I could give her something, it would be to go, no matter what people say or think about me, I am a worthy and powerful individual and I can make a difference in the world. That's what I would give her because I think my worry is that she will be influenced Mm -hmm. by everybody and she will land up in relationships that harm Mm -hmm. and hurt and destroy and I just don't want her to have to come no. to that. Okay. Both of them. Yes. I'm interested when I'm talking mostly about my eight-year-old, but for both of them, you know. My little one, too, because she just, she says to me, I don't like people. And that's, um, I think I'm a people pleaser because she's just, okay. that's like absolute fear. Like, <laughs> yes, no, you yeah. must like people. Yeah. You must be nice <clears throat> to people. So, yeah. So, I worry about their social ability to connect because mm-hmm. I believe so in connection. Okay. Yes, I do worry about them. I am a youth magistrate and I often see what happens to kids who have been previously looked after or currently looked after. (laughs) And I have a friend who works in a secure training centre and she's always telling me how many adopted kids there are in there. So, yes, I definitely worry about the kids' future. I'm conscious that I'm an older parent and won't be around as much. So I worry about them both as teenagers and worry about them as having families of their own and not maybe having grandparents to help them in the same way that I did. My worries for my child's future, I would like her to grow into an independent young woman. And I guess it's difficult when you you look at this age. um, And I just want her to be successful, happy and to be able to get through life independently without people ripping her off or taking advantage of her. If she wants to become a neurosurgeon, that is fine. But really just an independent (laughs) young woman be able to find her way in life. 
I do. When she's having a great time, I can almost see her future and just think she's going to do something amazing. When she's struggling, I am scared. I feel like I'm fighting against time to enable her to be able to control herself. I can't control her feelings and there's no such thing as a bad emotion, but her response, her reaction to how she feels, I do feel like there's a race against time now and when the hormones kick in. That must make me really emotional, that answer, because I feel exactly the same. You know, I'm just, yeah, it's not about me, but yes, I feel so fearful. We won't nip these things in the bud quickly enough. And And then they'll do one thing that could change their lives or affect their friendships. Mm-hmm. Or and if their friendships are affected, that then affects their schoolwork mm-hmm. because if they're not happy at school, mm-hmm. so it's the domino effect. I'm just scared of the domino yes. effect. So I do do as much as I can to support my daughter in her friendships, mm-hmm. but never excuse her behaviour. Yeah. Yes, I'm worried about. I mean, our aspiration for him is that he can earn a living and support himself and maintain good friendships and have a happy life and that he finds something that he's passionate about. So I guess the concern at the moment is I'm constantly trying to pass on domestic skills to him, but he has no interest. He's not prepared to engage. He says he wants to leave home when he's 18. I said, well, if you're leaving home, you need to learn some skills. Yes. And so I keep saying, can I show you this? Can I show you that? Or I'll highlight other friends who can do things. And I say, well, as, and then he wasn't, he won't do it. So I said, well, you're just going to have to stay here then. Sure. You're not, you can't leave. How do you think you've grown as a person through your experience of adoption? Oh, goodness. I think it's like advanced level human, advanced level human. I think I've had to deal with my own crap. Mm-hmm. I've had to deal with my own history. Mm-hmm. I've had to deal with my triggers. I've had to give of myself. I think I realised I was quite selfish and a little bit narcissistic in mm-hmm. some ways well, because, okay. you know, I suddenly had to be of service to somebody else and not think only about my needs and stuff like that. So it was an opportunity to be of service to other human beings mm-hmm. and to love, you know, and to love beyond. I've always been such a lover in my mm-hmm. life and I didn't realise parenting was advanced lovership, you know. Yes. It's just love on such a insane level I concur I concur I think I've been much more conscious of my inner strength I think um primarily I've also was a bit surprised that I was as patient as I was I can almost work on that but I was more patient than I thought I'd be so I think patience I was more patient than I thought I was and maybe that's even improved further but also I think yeah my inner strength and having confidence in that inner strength to being able to handle tricky situations in the future where I didn't have that earlier? I think my biggest thing is that I've become more reflective, more reflective as, you know, myself as a person, as a mother, as a friend. I'm more in touch with my emotions, reading my daughter's emotions, other friends' emotions. So, yes, more reflective and more thoughtful about things and life in in, in general. During the assessment process, we have to reflect on our lives. Being an adopted person, I have to reflect on that. Mm. It wasn't until I was a mother myself to an adopted child that it suddenly made sense why I felt like this as a child and why I felt like Mm. that. 
it was like blinkers being taken off. I just thought, well, no wonder I was like this. No wonder I was like that. And I don't assume that my daughter will feel the same way about everything as I did. But I do know where some of the pitfalls are. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I can help her navigate them and share with her how I did. It definitely made me realize one of the most important things growing up for me is I felt like I appeared from absolutely nowhere <laughs> because I had no information about my birth family. So it was, it's like I'd been dropped out of an alien spaceship okay. and plonked on earth. And for me, I needed to make sure that my daughter felt connected. So if she's good at maths, it's because her, you know, her uncle's good at maths. Those invisible bonds that birth children have, they look, they've got their dad's nose, their mum's eyes, Adopted children don't have that. Mm -hmm. So I do try and make sure, you know, that I build those bonds in. Mm -hmm. They have to be verbalized because they're not just physically there. How do I think I've grown as a person? Oh, gosh. I don't know whether I have. I hope I have. I think it's really difficult when you're in something to stand outside of yourself and sort of have that perspective. I don't know. I'm certainly more patient, I think, than I was. I pride myself on being quite a patient person anyway, but children will strip you of some of the things you think you're skilled at. I'm more patient than I was. I think it took me uh, like 18 months really to sort it was like having PTSD. It took me about 18 months to recover from these two interlopers in my house. So yeah, I'm more patient. I'm more tolerant of just of the, of Gosh, the impact it's had on my life and the amount that it demands of me all the time. I'm sort of adapted now, I think, I hope, um, more to that. I think it's helped me in my work. I think it's helped me maybe be a bit more, it's done two things. I think it's helped me be a bit more em empathic towards parents, but I think at the same time, it's also made me a bit angrier with parents because you know, I'm by no means perfect, but you can be sure that if the school picks up the phone and, uh, and calls me that I'll answer, or if the school asks me to do something that I'll do it. I've always found it difficult, but I find it in some ways more difficult now to be patient with parents who just don't care. The process of becoming adopters, where you do a timeline, I learned a huge amount about my partner because I learned all about his life because I don't mm -hmm. think you do that mm -hmm. normally. And we've done some couples counselling as well. So I think I've got to know my partner hugely better than mm -hmm. I would have done otherwise. It's very important as an adopter to practice self-care because in order to be able to look after other people, you need to be healthy and well and able mm -hmm. to look after yourself. Absolutely. So I've learned, how, I've learned to look after myself better. I'm, I'm connected with far more family members and friends <laughs> and much more connected with the world. And this really, really transformed my life. Wow, wonderful. What have been some of the happiest moments you've shared with your adoptive family? I think it's been out in nature mm -hmm. when we running on the beach or just all pottering around in the trees or, you know, when they're, they're just like little chickens sometimes. <laughs> they're so happy they clack around. You know? yes. And it just makes you feel so happy. Mm -hmm. And times when we all cuddled up on the couch, mm -hmm. like little puppies and a little puppy cuddle, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> and yeah, when you just hear them playing together and or just look at them and just think, God, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. So beautiful. You will never have any idea how beautiful mm -hmm. you are, but I see it. Yes. 
start of a holiday, that sense of adventure when you walk into a hotel room and you don't kind of know what to expect, getting onto an airplane. We all love traveling. Snuggling up in the mornings, they often still, both of them, come into my bed in the middle of the night. So then on a weekend morning, lots of playing in bed. I've always enjoyed, even when I get angry at them, having ruined my sleep. (laughs) I think we've got lots of memories. I mean, holidays are a big one because we're away from the house and elsewhere. But I think the the big connection that the two of us have, we love the theatre. We love musical theatre. I have now got her singing away to whether it's Mamma Mia or Matilda or even Singing in the Rain. And that's something that's really just the two of us. So um, I think that's where we really connect. And that's really built some really good, happy memories. And we've basically, we've done that very much from, since from day one, from me going to see the tiger that goes to tea. So Mm -hmm. we've gone from really children's ones to a little bit more mature theatre. Oh, wonderful. I love mornings. I love the mornings with my daughter. She stays in my bed three nights a week. But even if she's not, she crawls into the bed, she strokes my cheek and she says, morning, mama, how did you sleep? (laughs) And I say the same back to her. And that's how our day starts. And then at the moment, we're opening the advent calendar. Yes. In which she has got a makeup advent calendar. Oh, wow. We've had Lego the last two years, but now it's a makeup advent calendar. She's allowed to play with makeup. She's not allowed to leave the house in it. Oh, I see. (laughs) That seems fair to me. And whatever she gets in her advent calendar, I do a masterclass when she gets home from school. So it gives her something to look forward to. And our mornings, I know that a lot of people have stressful mornings. Our mornings are very relaxed. She's an early riser. We have lots of time together in the morning. Her clothes are laid out. She can get dressed for herself. Mm-hmm. We might just have a bit of breakfast and do some colouring in together, use our little cards, or we might bark at Alexa and demand that she plays Ed Sheeran and <laughs> dance around the living room. But we're lucky we have time in the morning and it's just me and just her. Don't have anyone else to worry about. Mm-hmm. So our mornings are pretty magical. Yeah, it sounds precious. I think our favourite thing is going skiing, going on mm-hmm. ski trips. My son has... I think our children have low self-esteem and they struggle with things and they struggle with sticking at something. Mm-hmm. But he learned how to ski and got to a really, he got to the level where he can just ski on his own and go off with his friends and go mm-hmm. off all around the resort. Mm-hmm. So after three weeks of skiing, he had achieved that level. Amazing. So if he says to me, I can't do anything, I'm no good at anything, I can, I can, that's something I can point to and say, mm-hmm. look, you can do that really, really well. And it's something he's really proud of. It's a great holiday because it's very, he likes to go on devices and he's very sedentary. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you go anywhere else, he doesn't want to go any. He doesn't want to go anywhere or do anything. So I'm pleased that he's active all week. Mm-hmm. Final question is: Can you give us an example of one unusual or funny thing that's happened to you in your family around Christmas time? I can't really think about anything no. around Christmas. Just fine, if not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of very funny and cute things that happen every day and every week, but I wouldn't say there's particularly one no. around Christmas. And I think the cutest thing is them sort of dressing up and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, entering into these advanced role plays mm-hmm. and kind of transforming the house into like different universes. Yes. And, you know, just every day is an adventure in mm-hmm. that way with them. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's particularly one that stands out. There was an incident, I think it was my son's second Christmas with me, and we were walking to Primrose Hill, actually, 
And as we were walking, somebody was coming out of a house dressed up in a full Santa gear. And I said to my son, so he would have been four, I think, or maybe just under four. I said to my son, look, there's Santa. And Santa turned around and he stuck his arms out. And my son went flying into his arms. Uh, it was the most picture perfect thing. And uh, that, that was my moment of that year, actually. It was just amazing. And, you know, swung him around, hugged him. And then, you know, we resumed our walk. And it was just that lovely randomness. It was Christmas Day as well. You know, it wow, was wonderful. amazing. Yeah. My child believes in the Father Christmas, which is lovely. And every Christmas she'll get a, a present from me and present from Father Christmas. But because of that, then I have to give myself a present from Father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> buy myself something wrap it up in you know a similar paper and stick it under the tree and do handwriting so that we both got one so I think that's one of my funny memories and something I'll just have to remember to do for as long as I as we can keep that spark I think this is genius. I've been going wrong. I told my kids that Santa only brings presents for the kids, but of course he should give some to the adults. So I'm going to change it this year and make sure there's presents from Santa under the tree for everybody. Oh, yes, definitely. Thank you very much. Yes. So growing up, me and my brother were a bit like Tom and Jerry and any any chance he had to tease me for something, he said, "If, if ever you do something wrong, they're going to send you back. Ouch. And he's going, because you're adopted. And I go, but, but so are you. No, I'm not. You are. Okay. I was probably about 15 and I found this recipe for Christmas cake that was made out of a mixture of mincemeat that you put in mince pies yeah. and vanilla ice cream. Must have been a blue Peter thing or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I made this and put brandy in it and made chocolate holly leaves. I was, I was so proud of this creation I'd made. Now, at Christmas time, our grandmother used to join us. She looked like Miss Marple, acted like Miss Marple, and was just a beautiful woman. But she was completely teetotal. She was a Methodist and never touched a drop in her life. <laughs> okay. She used to be a teacher. So when she saw the effort I'd made in this Christmas pudding, she insisted on having some. And, and I didn't even think it had alcohol in it. Yeah. So she had her Christmas pudding and then she went upstairs and she had what she called her 40 winks, which she had her little siesta after lunch. Yeah. Now, my brother was itching to open the presents. We weren't allowed to open our Christmas presents till after she'd woken up. So I get sent to go and wake her up and I can't wake her up. (laughs) Tapping her on the shoulder. I don't know. I don't. I must have seen it somewhere. I got a mirror and put it over her mouth to see if she was still breathing. (laughs) I came to the conclusion that she wasn't. Oh, gosh. I then remembered the alcohol and thought, oh, my God, I've killed her. (laughs) So I went downstairs And I don't know why I went to my brother first, but I just thought I would. And I just whispered in his ear, I think I've killed grandma, (laughs) thinking that he would come and help me. No, he just shouted out, Charlie's killed grandma. (laughs) (laughs) At which point the door creaks open and in she walks. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) So, uh, yes, that was a, a funny moment. I thought he'd be my ally, but no, he landed me right in it. Oh, gosh, that's a wonderful story. I'll even go as far as to say it's the best one I've heard. (laughs) Well, you know, 
happiness is one of those things, isn't it? It's not some permanent state that you're in. It's it's these fleeting moments that sort of catch you unawares. And for me, they've often they've often been really mundane things, like I don't know. Maybe the sun's been shining and we've been able to all eat outside and the boys have been really happy with that dinner that I've cooked and so has my partner. That's made me happy. Times when we've stood in the kitchen, when we've all been in the kitchen dancing together, that's made me happy. Just little, really sort of mundane, banal things where everybody's laughing and everyone's smiling and it feels in that second, perfect. I come from a big family and Christmas Day was my mum's birthday. And we'd always have a big family Christmas with the Christmas dinner with roast turkey and everything. So the first Christmas that Leighton was here, I just thought, oh, we must have this big family Christmas. He's got to have mm-hmm. this big family Christmas. I'm a vegetarian. So I thought, well, we have to have Christmas dinner. So I got a turkey and I brined the turkey for three days. So I had it in a bucket on the balcony. <laughs> and then I started cooking the turkey on Christmas Day. And then... After about 40 minutes, it all started smoke coming out of the oven. It was all no. burning. And I was like, oh, my God, why the hell did you think you could cook a turkey? Oh. I've been a vegetarian for 40 years. What the hell are you doing? So I, I quickly looked up on the internet and said, you meant to cover it all with foil. So I covered it all with foil, then got it back in the oven, then it cooked all right. One of the friends who was coming worked in a restaurant, so he carved it all, and it was it was a big success. So, oh, okay, that. great! So you <laughs> take the days from the smoking turkey grow. Wow! Well, and then when all the parcels that we put under the Christmas tree, it's like a mouse nibbled at them because my son kind of discreetly tries to oh, have see. a look inside. Oh. See but every single one. Every single one. Oh, gosh. I'd like that to look forward to. Uh, well, Christmas is around the corner, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. I'm Eddie Elliott, and you've been listening to Adoption Shared, created by the We Are Family Adoption Support Community in partnership with Adopt London. Remember to subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast and follow us on Twitter. We hope you'll be back for more adoption stories and information soon. Have a great day.